G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. Coming up today on The Story. When we arrived in Sydney, we had to come on an old passenger freighter. It was a converted warship. That was all we could afford. And it took us five weeks. And it was during that five weeks that the house and the job all fell through. We had no idea why God wanted us to come to Australia. We just came. We're sure glad we did. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and welcome to The Story. Today we have a unique one about a couple migrating from the US to Australia in 1961. While Warren and Mina Saxon were on a ship travelling for weeks, they had no idea that the job and house they had arranged had fallen through. But they had a firm conviction that God wanted them in Australia and were confident this is where they were supposed to be. Warren and Mina are sharing their story with Eric Scatterbo. Welcome to the program. Thank you very Thank much. You. Glad to have you with us. And we're going to find out what happened after you arrived in Australia. But first, let's find out about your childhood. You were both raised in Christian families. And then how did you meet? Yes, well, uh, we first met in eighth grade band in 1948. I was in the trombone section on one side of the band, and mine was in the clarinet section on the other side. And I used to wink at her during... <laughs> during band practice. Do you remember that, Mina? I do. <laughs> and finally, she chased me until I caught her. <laughs> that, uh, that, that was how we first met, and we've been playing music together ever since. Oh, that's beautiful. And where was this? This was in Fort Collins, Colorado, junior high school in Fort Collins, Colorado. Okay, so take us up to how did the two of you get married? Well, we... Uh, Started going together, and that was in eighth grade, and we it was about October 1949 when we were actually attending the same church then, and we were going together, and one night in the service we felt Jesus speak to our hearts, and we both gave our lives to him at that time and continued to serve him ever since. Uh, we graduated from high school in 1953, and we were married in uh, August 1954. Okay, and Mina, maybe we should go back a little bit. Anything about your dating years that you'd like to share with us today? Not really. We just uh, were very fortunate. I think that the Lord brought us together when he did and and, uh, kept us that way, kept us in love up till now. (laughs) That's right. Married over 63 years. Yes, in August this year, it will be 64 years. Fantastic. Even the 15th of August, I remember the date. Yes. Oh, very good. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. So then in your early adult years, you were married, you had some children? Yes, we have three super children. I know some people wouldn't agree, but they're the best in the world. (laughs) A little biased there, huh? (laughs) And they were all three born before we came to Australia. Okay, now let's go to you, Mina. The Lord started to speak with you about Australia. Is that right? Yes, that's right. In the first instance, it just um, 
an interest in Australia. And I don't remember exactly what caused that interest to be quirked in the beginning, but I got a lot of travel brochures and all sorts of things because I knew nothing about Australia, really, and uh, began to get more and more information, went to the library and got some more information and sent to the consul and got some more information. And then oh wow, um, it just took over about a year. It became so definite in my mind. I thought, well, I better speak to Owen about this. And uh, I remember saying to him, do you know where Australia is? <laughs> and he said, yes. And I said, do you know anything about Australia? And he said, no, not really. So then I had to come clean and tell him that the Lord had been speaking to me all this time about going to Australia. And I think he got a bit of a of a shock. And, and uh, yeah. I just left it at that. I thought, all right, I've done my part. And um, the Lord has cleared me now of of feeling guilty about doing all this uh, planning <laughs> ahead, which uh, I didn't know what I was planning ahead for. Now, why do you think the Lord started to deal with your heart and call you before talking to Warren? I think it was because I was, I'm a really stubborn person. And I think <laughs> if, if Warren had come up with that in the first place and I hadn't felt anything, I would have been pretty adamant that that was a crazy idea. <laughs> and uh, I, I really think that the Lord has to deal with me separately because I'm quite happy to follow what he wants to do as long as the Lord's told me to. <laughs> so the Lord knew to deal with the stubborn one first. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right, yes. And also, after we arrived in Australia, when things were fairly difficult, Mina also got quite ill physically. Hmm. And during that time, we felt that it was such a blessing that God had spoken to Mina first, and she actually experienced the call, mm -hmm. and she wasn't just following me. And uh, had that not occurred, if she was just following me and the circumstances we were in, it could have been quite difficult for her and could have created resentments and so on. But as it worked out, Mina knew the call, she felt the call, and that was what really sustained her during that difficult time. Mm -hmm. But let's uh, back up just for a moment. Warren, what did you think when, out of the blue, Mina has this idea, I think the Lord is calling us to Australia? This is back in the 50s. Yes, this would have been about 57, 58, along in mm -hmm. there. And uh, it took me a little while to <laughs> kind of digest the idea, but it was fairly soon that I felt God was dealing with me as well and that I was beginning to really create an interest and feel a call to Australia, and it became then a very joint call. And there were two things that um, were very special to us at that time, two principles that we heard. One was, remember in the dark places what God showed you in the light. This was for mm -hmm. later on. Yeah. Uh, when we first receive a call like that, it can be quite exciting and seem quite possible, but when we hit some difficult patches, we need to be able to think back to um, what God showed us in the light. Could you repeat that, please, because I just think that's so profound. Yes, remember in the dark places what God showed you in the light. Okay, we'll come back to that because you did have some dark places, but I just want to find out 
okay, now you had this call. Both of you are on board. Yes, God, you're calling us to Australia. What did you do next? Well, the other principle that we had heard and felt was the principle of waiting actively. Waiting actively. Yes, not just sitting back and expecting God to uh, do it all, (laughs) but uh, to begin to wait actively. And so as soon as we really felt this call together, we began to try to follow that, and we started making some preparation. We didn't make preparation that shut doors, etc., but just began to wait actively. We began to list the things that we needed to consider. Obviously, we didn't have any money. The only we, we did own our home, but mainly the bank owned it. And the only money we had was the equity that we had in our home. But uh, So we began to look at the real estate market and wonder what we could get for our home. And so we, we, we just started to wait actively and to do as much as we could to open up some doors that uh, may be before us. And what door did the Lord open? Well, when it came time to sell our home, we worked out what we needed to sell our home for. We contacted the real estate people, and they basically laughed at us. And, <laughs> but uh, they, they, they finally agreed to put the house on the market at the price we said we had to have. And as God works, the first people who looked at the house bought it at that price. Oh, wow. So that was a confirmation. Yes, it sure was. <laughs> and so I started getting up about 5 o'clock every morning and going out and painting the house and doing things that we needed to do. But uh, the thing that I really want to emphasize and to have the listeners understand during this interview is that God is faithful. Mm-hmm. God never has let us down in the 68 years that uh, We have known him the 63 years we've been married. In every situation, God has never let us down. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Warren and Mina Saxon about how God led them to relocate to Australia in 1961. Next, we'll hear how things didn't go exactly as planned when they arrived. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Warren and Mina Saxon, who are originally from the United States, but were led by the Lord to move to Australia in 1961. Next, we'll hear how they faced some major challenges once they arrived. You knew that the Lord wanted you in Australia, but part of the call was not to come to Australia specifically to do ministry or be missionaries or something like that. It was just no. We we had no idea why God wanted us to come to Australia. No idea, and you just came. Yes, we just came. We're sure glad we did. But it didn't look too good when you first arrived. (laughs) No, that that's true. When we arrived in Sydney. 
we had to come on an old passenger freighter. It mm-hmm. was a converted warship. That was all we could afford. And just backing up a little bit, uh, Mina started making phone calls to try to get some sort of transportation to Australia. Mm-hmm. And she came across an advertisement of this rather obsolete shipping company in Canada and rang them, and uh, they had one cabin left, and that was exactly what we needed. But it was mm-hmm. an old passenger freighter, converted warship, and it took us five weeks. We left from Vancouver Island in February, and we arrived here the 19th of March. It took five weeks, and it was during wow. that five weeks that the house and the job all fell through. And we were met at the wharf by a pastor in Orange, New South Wales. We had been corresponding with him. Mm-hmm. He, he had felt a witness with the letter that we wrote initially. And he met us at the wharf with a car and a trailer. He then had the uh, message for us that both the house and the job had fallen through. We had three children under six years of age, and we had 25 pounds was our total wealth, or $50 was our total wealth at that time. And I often think of that as how God brought us back to basics. He really brought us back to basics. And that was our start in Australia. Yeah, now I'm just thinking at that point, well, Mina, let me ask you, you clearly felt the Lord calling you to Australia, and then all your plans just kind of fall through when you initially get there. Were you having some doubts at that point? No, no, I don't remember ever doubting. No, I just thought this is really not quite the way we had hoped it would work. But no, I didn't ever doubt. I I wasn't well, and I had three little kids to look after. And um, But the the way that the Lord sort of helped us during that period of time, the next several months, was just wonderful. We never did without. We always had a place to stay, and we were given help through the church. We we had ladies in the church who had gardens, and they used to bring us some of their garden vegetables so that we... We they would we were just terribly blessed. The Lord never ever let us down, not at all. We always had we used to have laughs about it because we wondered, you know, how we were gonna cope and it, it we always did. <laughs> mm-hmm. He always came through for you. Always, yes. Now you mentioned that you've had some health challenges. Yes, yeah. I was terribly allergic to everything in Australia. The doctor Is that right? just said that I had no immunity to any of the Australian bush or the just everything. It was just all allergic to everything in Australia. But then that you gained that ability to cope. I still yeah. can't get around wattle trees. And, and, uh, and Orange had lots and lots and lots of wattle trees. Also, Mina was very homesick. She became yes. very ill with, with, with homesickness plus a physical illness. But all that time, you knew deep down in your heart, this is where the Lord wanted you to be. Oh, yes. No doubt about it. It wasn't a matter of, I'm homesick, I better go home, because uh, it would have been wrong. And I understand that you worked for 42 years in special education? Yes. Once we came up to Queensland, uh, we were in Orange for a, a bit over a year. When we came up to Queensland, I started working in my field of special education, and I worked for... I guess 42 years. Yes, 42 years continuously. 
and uh, I always had the work that I loved to do, and I had a good life. And Warren, turning to you, how did things work out for you career-wise? Yes, uh, I don't recall ever really worrying about the circumstances. I suppose if I ever had legitimate reasons to worry, maybe that was it, but I, I just don't recall worrying. And I ended up getting a better job with the same company than I would have had if the original job would have come through. Uh, housing was oh, okay. very limited mm-hmm. in, in Orange, and we got a finally got a place to rent. Uh, I didn't have a job yet then, but the people who owned the home were prepared to rent it to us, and the pastor was kind of standing, not really guarantor, but he could vouch for us as to who we mm-hmm. were. And so we had that opportunity then to get this accommodation and have employment. Uh, there's one principle that has always been very strong in our lives. I know there's a lot of different teaching about what our financial giving should be, and I don't argue with any of those, but mine and I have always felt that the principle of tithing was the best guide that we could find, so we have always followed that. Mm-hmm. I feel that, um, well, God has just never let us down. He's always been there. Sometimes we would have a need. We might get some birthday money from family in the U.S., uh, just the right amount to meet the particular need we have, and just in various ways. And as Mina mentioned, people were very generous, and uh, God just met us from every direction. Now let's turn to your relationship with your father. We mentioned that you were both raised in Christian families, but that's only half true in your case, Warren. Your dad was never a Christian? Yes. In your growing up years? Yes, that's right. My mother was a Christian and brought me up in the ways of the Lord. But Dad was very antagonistic towards uh, Christianity. He gave Mother quite a hard time. And uh, up to the time that we came to Australia, he still hadn't accepted the Lord at all. But during the first year, while we were in Orange, it was either late 61 or early 62, God gave me a dream, and in the dream, I went back to the U.S. and had the opportunity to pray with Dad and lead him to Jesus. Uh, It was in 1967, after we had come to Brisbane, that I received a phone call from Mother, and they had given Dad five days to live, and I was able to get a ticket to the U.S. I went Mm -hmm. straight back, and I went right to the hospital when I arrived, and I brought up the subject of salvation, and Dad listened for a bit, and he finally said, "Uh, I think you better go now. Well, Dad was the sort of guy when he said, "Uh, I think you better go, well, you went. Mm -hmm. But the next day, I'd been over at a near town and was coming home, and I just felt that I should call in at the hospital on the way and uh, see Dad. And as soon as I walked into his room, he brought up the subject of salvation, and he was wanting to accept Jesus. And it was my privilege that day to pray with him and as he accepted Jesus as his Savior. Mm, fantastic. And that was a real a real miracle. <laughs> and actually, he lived for another seven years. They gave him, oh, is that right? They gave him five days to live, and he lived for another seven years. Oh, wow. Well, unfortunately, we're quickly running out of time, but uh, we want to kind of wrap up our conversation here today. I understand that you're currently 
doing things for the Lord. You haven't slowed down. You might have uh, retired, but you're making music for him. Is that right? Oh, well, um, since mine and I met in eighth grade band in 1948, we... uh, That was back when you were winking at her? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But we've been playing music together ever since. We're involved. We're still involved in church music every Sunday, playing in the services. And also, we are um, part of a country gospel bluegrass group in Charters Towers and... uh, we take concerts and sing-alongs into the retirement homes and uh, do some busking in the Country Music Festival on Main, Main Street. And um, music wow. music is still a major part of our lives together. I have to climb Lord, for my sake Teach me to take One day at a time One day at a time Sweet Jesus That's all I'm asking from you Just to give me the strength To do every day What I have to do Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today, show me the way, one day at a time. And I should say that you have worked for your church for a while? Uh, not where we are now, but after we came to Brisbane, we started attending the church. We were involved there for 27 years, and I was full-time administrator for 15 years, and we uh, were much involved in that way. Okay, well, looking back on your time in Australia, I guess you like the country. Would that be safe to say? <laughs> yes, we, we really love Australia. It, mm. It's our home. It's our country. We, uh, we, we are up, very much Australians. <laughs> we, we grew up in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as a young person, I had the pleasure of riding after cattle on horseback in the high country and working draft horses in the hay fields. And I really can identify with, with country. We love the country people. And mm-hmm. our heart really goes out to the graziers and farmers in Australia particularly in main areas of drought. We do pray for them, and uh, we, we really have a heart for them, and we know it's a, it, it, it's a difficult time. And Mina, going back to the time the Lord called you way back in the 50s, you think you got it right? I definitely do, yes, yes. <laughs> no, we've had a good life, and it's, it's not always been an easy life, but it's been a good life. And as you said at the beginning of the interview, the Lord has been faithful through it all. Yes, definitely. We have a, a lovely life now in the country. Again, we're living in Charters Towers, which is a lovely country area and beautiful people. And and we're able to, to serve the Lord in different ways than we did when we were in the city. No, it's, it's great. We're just so happy. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Warren and Mina Saxon and reflecting on their faith 
faith-filled life and the faithfulness of God. As the Bible says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Whether it's arriving in a foreign country with no job or no place to stay, like Warren and Mina experienced, or any other unexpected challenge, God is always faithful. Well, thanks for joining us for Warren and Mina's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. We had bankruptcy. Then after that, we moved into another small house, and I really believed that everything was going to be okay. But I began to notice he was having an affair with the next-door neighbor. We had a one-story house. She had a two. And I would stand out in the backyard in the dark and look up and see her standing in the upstairs window, waving and blowing kisses to my husband, who was standing out in the front yard. Kay Painter wants people to learn from the mistakes in her life. She responded to her husband's affair by having one of her own, and later, an abortion. She's the author of the book, From Sin to Sorrow to Service, and will share how God's forgiveness impacted her life next time. The story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.